This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is one of our deep dives, our Bakta tank of talk. This week, we are going to descend into the warm goo 
of discussing <laughs> Under the Helmet, the legacy of Boba Fett. I'm so excited uh, to get into this goo. I'm not excited about how much I've extended this metaphor, but I am excited to talk about this. I'm Joseph Scripture. I'm Ken Epsock, and I love that uh, you, you've turned this into our Back to Tanka talk. Just makes sense thematically for what we do here, but also now we're just going to lean into it. I think we need to get a sound effect of like a and every time, let's go into the tank. I think let's just lean into it. A little splurge. We're going to need to get some artwork and then maybe not release it uh, once we see what the artwork is. Anyway. <laughs> Brian Ward is already working on you and I and little white space undies in tubes. <laughs> That's the thing. I said it and then I was like, do I want to really see that art? No. Uh, Brian, at least put a shirt on me. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We want to be uh, fully, fully clothed in the Bacta tank. <laughs> Anyway, moving on from the Bacta Tank, we are going to get into discussing uh, this, I think, wonderful, if short, documentary about Boba Fett. But before we do that, uh, we're going to talk, uh, as always, about Audible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we're recommending Tempest Runner by Kevin Scott. It is another part of the exciting adventure of the High Republic. So if you're interested in that, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash center. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. But we have more offers. We have more offers indeed. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, is offering 35% off across their website. If you use this special link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35, FC35. This week, we're recommending the Inside Editions book, The Secrets of the Sith, Sheaves Burden Book is what Joseph called it. And you know what? That's exactly what it is. So check it out by using this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Yeah, my only disappointment in that book is that we don't get to hear Sheev's opinion about Boba Fett. Was he really all that? What did Sheev think? <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we get to discuss if we think Boba Fett is all that as we get ramped up to the release of Book of Boba Fett uh, on Disney Plus Day. A new special was released uh, under the helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett. It is celebrating, like the title says, the legacy and really the origins of Boba Fett. It is only 21 minutes long, but there is, I think, a ton of fun, a lot of intriguing stuff, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of fresh interviews with familiar faces, and I think uh, we're both excited to dive in. So, Ken, I just want to ask you to start, mm -hmm. what was your overall reaction to this special? I, this is really a joy, and I'll start, I'll throw some cynicism first. It's really a 21-minute commercial for the show that you're about to watch, hopefully. I, I'll throw that out there, but then only to look at it and go, so what? Because I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was quick. We'll talk about that. I, at times it, it it had some depth. At times it didn't go deep. Uh, but I, I literally, I laughed. I went, mm-hmm, and I cried in 21 minutes. This is a great <laughs> Star Wars experience. I'm okay with this. Yeah, no, I think you, you got to start by embracing uh, what it is, right? It is... Mm. Um, you know, uh, it wasn't as much of a commercial for Book of Boba Fett as I was mm. concerned it might be. It certainly ended yeah. on that note of literally like, and we're so excited for the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, yeah. But it is definitely celebratory, right? It stayed away from anything uh, too mm. controversial or getting too in the weeds on on pushes and pulls in the fan community about Boba Fett uh, over the years. Uh, so it's, it definitely was, I guess, it's a, it's a celebration. It's a 21-minute celebration of this character. Uh, but then within that, like, I, I thought it might be a little bit more you know, generic, uh, mm -hmm. for lack of a, a better word. I was concerned about, like, 
you know, is it just going to be, you know, pictures of comic book panels and, you know, clips and cosplay and famous people going, I've always loved Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a little bit of that at the beginning to establish it, but I was shocked at some of the, uh, to me, just the utter, um, uh, the emotions uh, of especially the first half of it for me. Um, yeah. It made me extremely emotional. <laughs> like you said, I laughed and, and I came very close uh, uh, to actually crying. Mm. I, I think a couple of the reasons that it really, really impacted me is probably every piece of, of Boba Fett lore about his origins, about his jetpack, <laughs> mm-hmm. is stuff that I've heard before. But it has all gotten so jumbled in my mind of some of this I read on the back of a trading card in 1982. Some of Mm. this was literally told to me by somebody else's big brother on a playground in 1986. And some of this was literally told to me by my improv comedy friends in bars. And I just walked with it as truth. Mm. So much of the legend of Boba Fett, of his invention, of who was involved, of who did what, what happened when, all that stuff in my real life has had this sort of... um, sense of lore mm-hmm. so to see it all laid out in order with authority from the mm-hmm. people involved was just this kind of cool emotional journey for me yeah. and the fact that I was really looking back on on this kind of different time um for star wars different time you know culturally different time in the way movies are made different time in the way that uh, uh promotion is done for movies that was really affecting and then the 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 last thing for me that's just kind of mind blowing is the people involved, right? Like, yeah, yeah. This would be amazing. Boba Fett would be incredibly powerful, well known character if a bunch of people that you kind of wouldn't have heard of outside of creating Boba Fett were yeah. the people involved, right? Uh, but you know, Ben Burt. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Talking about the sounds, Ben Burt being not just like the person who like, yeah, you, you like the way lightsabers sound? He made that. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I encourage people, it's just on YouTube. Go, There's a documentary called Making Waves that really, it's about the whole history of sound in Hollywood. Yeah. Get a sense of how important Ben Burt is, not just to Star Wars, but to the history of sounds in movies. Ben, ben Burt is a legend for more than Star Wars. And then you go to, you know, of course, Ralph McQuarrie is important to Star Wars, but Joe Johnston, like, yeah. he, he, he'd he be, it'd be great to know him just because he was the art designer for Empire Strikes Back. He goes on to be a director, right? Uh, this is a controversial opinion, but Captain America, the first Avenger is one of my very favorite MCU films, maybe one of my favorite films, right? Mm. Uh, and then for me, Dwayne Dunham, the guy who was in the yeah. costume at the beginning and editor on Star Wars. Also did a bunch of uh, editing of of Twin Peaks. He has pers- right. and directing some episodes. He has like personally edited and directed some of my favorite moments in in Twin Peaks. So for me, it's this: uh, all the people involved with Boba Fett are like this just laundry list of heroes. Yeah, and to see these fresh interviews with them all getting up there, right? Yeah. And some of them like Ralph McQuarrie gone at a fresh interview with Lucas to see yeah. all these people, all these, you know, kind of to me, legends of, of this industry who all had a hand in creating yeah. the cool bounty hunter was just really moving. Uh, all of it was, what you talk about, it was moving and, and, and I'll get to the moments that made me specifically, uh, actually cry. Uh, um, but the, 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 Let's not bury the lead. Fresh footage of George Lucas on a porch talking about Star Wars in 2021 is 
uh, wonderfully bonkers to me. Because you just, you've kind of sometimes, at least in my mind, you build up the fact that, ah, he's never going to talk, even talk about it again, right? <laughs> you know, he's never, he's a little salty, a little craggy. But there he is visiting the sets, everything. And then, hey, do you want to sit down and talk about Boba Fett? Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to take a shot of the holiday special. I, that's <laughs> worth, all of that's worth the price of admission alone. Right? Yeah, no, I mean, we're going to talk about that. Because that, that, I had to like pause and go like, <laughs> what else did they ask him? What's on the cutting, what? <laughs> cutting room floor, you what know? Cutting room floor. And, and, you know, he's, he's just such a mm-hmm. wonderfully uh, eccentric human being uh, while looking like just, you know, uh, the stereotype of a grandpa who who just stepped off a Norman Rockwell painting at this point. He's on the porch, you know, <laughs> uh, but he's yeah. so eccentric. And you're like, hey, if they had called him to do like a special on Han Solo, would, would he have been like, nah, I said everything. We like Boba Fett. All right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll see if there's more. Yeah, oddly enough, because of this, I think somehow I ended up on a YouTube video that's just a compilation of George Lucas moments. There's a few <laughs> There's a few out there, but this one had a bunch of stuff, and it ends with that documentary footage going around where he's just in the background. Yeah. And, and it's to your point of this is Star Wars Grandpa now, just kind of aimlessly walking into a building, looking at well, there's a camera. <laughs> but there's great moments where he's just like signing autographs going, you know, if y'all had jobs, you wouldn't need these. Yes, I saw that recently too. And like he's getting, he's really pushing back. Like, no, I built everything. I worked. You go do it. (laughs) And it's just, it's it's all weird. So, but to take that guy, take this creator, the creator we all know and love and and love to tease as well, to have him sitting there, uh, you know, on the porch. Because I can't imagine that's, hey, George, you want to come up for the weekend to talk about Boba Fett? I can't imagine that is the only thing. So maybe if, unless it was an official meeting or just lunch with Filoni, I, to me, there's other things that he, they might be used for. And that alone uh, it made me even more excited and that, that it kind of sprung out of this doc. Right. The the possibility that there's going to be a, you know, uh, under the hood and then it's about K- Kenobi under the Jedi hood, you know, or mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and you get that Lucas sitting in the exact same place with the exact same light going, wow, who all did they interview him about? <laughs> yes, totally. That would be absolutely amazing. And I think just uh, uh, there's so much discussion and can get so heated on social media about, you know, what would George Lucas have done? What did George Lucas think? It is just a good reminder. Like uh, he's he's said some controversial things, uh, but, you know, he visits the set. He's on this documentary. You know, he's he's still trying to be, I think, uh, supporting Star Wars. Yeah, I think he is. All right. So talked about that kind of big picture overall reaction. I, I can't wait. You've set up a great teaser for where did you weep? Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about the length. It was pretty short. Uh, were you left wanting more? Uh, and if so, were you left wanting more in a in a good leave them wanting more kid way or a hey, what's the deal with 21 minutes? I'll say both. I, I be honest, I was expecting like 10 to 12 minutes when this was first announced. OK. I just had that, like, uh, again, little cynical side of, like, I get it, I get it. We got Book of Boba Fett coming out. You went, okay, okay, we're going to spend some time. Uh, 21 minutes was, I was felt blessed with that. But I want more. I want more in the best way possible. Uh, you know, I get that it's through the eyes of Lucasfilm and and some of the people that created it. Uh, and and I was we always talk a lot about Empire Dreams, which is just this wonderful doc that does uh, deal with some stuff honestly. But it's still, hey, produced by uh, Lucas and Lucasfilm people and, uh, I know the, the the creator of the director of it just passed away recently, but you know it, it, it's a real doc, and they go deep. And I think you could do an hour long version of this, and you could continue to do it. And this is the kind of thing that I just love that Disney Plus gives us the ability to do things like this and have a home for it. 
and not need to worry uh, uh, what, what the reception is other than, hey, if you want to watch it, it's there. You got a bunch of little Lego shorts. You got the Ewok <laughs> cartoon. And then you got stuff like this. I want more. I absolutely want more of this one. And I want more of the concept going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think ultimately I didn't mind because I think it is a great celebration of Boba Fett. I think it focused on, you know, his origins uh, more than some of the the kind of uh, little bits of controversy that can can stick to him. Uh, I wouldn't they did such a great job and we're going to talk about it of really talking about the initial appeal. Yeah. Of Boba Fett in the original trilogy. And and of course, it covered all, all sorts of stuff about him in the prequels and the Clone Wars, but I would have loved a little bit more analysis. There was such great insight in analysis to what Boba Fett meant to people yeah. uh, from an original trilogy frame of reference. I wouldn't have minded a little bit more analysis. And uh, they, they did a great job of like showing clips and reminding you of all the different kind of, what an impact he's made for having such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I also wouldn't have minded just like maybe a little bit more about Boba Fett's legacy in the EU in video games kind of some of the places where his story had been expanded i understand where they're not doing that because it's a weird thing to be like and then there's all this storytelling and then (laughs) ignore that (laughs) you know i understand why that it it was front loaded to his creation and then now that Mm -hmm. and then that character had more complexity added to their lore in the prequels and now he's returning to screen you know that path makes sense for setting up uh the book of Boba Fett. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it did make sense. Yeah. So uh, getting into some of the big picture ideas, the special I thought was really framed by this question that's raised explicitly at the beginning, kind of come back to it again at the end of the question of why did a character with such a short amount of screen time in dialogue become such a phenomenon? They highlight that in the original trilogy, only four lines of dialogue six minutes and 32 seconds of screen time. And then throughout uh, the special, a few different kind of theories are offered about what the initial magic of Boba Fett is and and maybe still the magic of Boba Fett. Um, Joe Johnston says, I think that what made Boba Fett really popular is that he was a mystery. Uh, Ben Burt says uh, he's a character that if you see it and it enters your imagination at the right age, Mm. It changes your DNA. You sort of carry it along. Mm. Uh, Dave Filoni is talking about back in the day, having a Boba Fett action figure and having another villain (laughs) besides Vader. And Dave Filoni says about the action figure, it invited creative thinking Mm. because we didn't know as much about the character. And George Lucas himself (laughs) in his delightfully direct manner said, People like the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For such unintentional and intentional comedy. And him just going, F and hate this, man. Everyone likes the bad guys. Six movies they made to show you why you shouldn't <laughs> like the bad guys. And there's still room for the bad guys. Yeah. I and mean, people like the bad guys, you know, but, but there is an error of that. Like, ah, I tried to make an epic story to, to teach you how to be a good person. And you, you guys all want flamethrowers. All right. All right. Uh, maybe we're reading into it, but it is his great cryptic direct. Seemed like a good character. He was a good character. People like the bad guys. Yeah, look, uh, we're reading into it. It's not. We're not going too deep into the book. No, no. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. We are reading uh, in between the sentences, if not in yeah. between the lines. Uh, where? So, where do you go with this? Did those theories overlap for you? Did any of them speak to you? Were any of them like, yeah, that's it for me? I, I think uh, it, it is almost like. Um, 
each each one begets the next one. Uh, I I absolutely think the idea of uh, he was a mystery, and this applies to to Vader a bit too, particularly after New Hope. I definitely think that that piques your interest. The Ben Bird thing is just a fantastic piece uh, of insight of just, you know, this, this pops in, you know, a movie can pop in some crappy uh, direct to VHS movie. You can watch it at nine years of age. And you're like, this is the Oscar winning picture, right? Like this is important <laughs> in my life. And I think Boba Fett does fall into that category for a lot of people. Cause I think it's almost like Bert's addressing kind of what you and I and everyone love about star Wars. Yeah. You have your main characters, but the grizzled weirdo in the background or that alien walking past you, or just the, this bounty hunter that shows up. This is why, you know, there's a, just a, probably a crazy amount of Dengar fans out there who are like, where's our Dengar series. Uh, I, I think it's, that's part of it. And, and then that, then you take it home with you, like Filoni's saying, and we've talked about the toy box thing for a while. I mean, the detail in which Filoni in this interview and other interviews, but have said, you take him out of the Darth Vader carrying case. You have a, uh, you're, you're, you know, competent uh, villain, uh, finally, other than, uh, you know, uh, Vader. I mean, this is great. And now you got, now we're literally playing with this figure in a series. Wow. I, I think it all kind of rolls into that. The bad guy thing. I do think there's truth to that it's just, oh, yeah. you know, we can talk about it. It, it is definitely connecting to that, um, wouldn't we all like to just tell people what we think and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And coming from the pro wrestling world in, in the mid nineties, the, the bad guys uh, suddenly became the ones you're rooted for. Not suddenly, but it exploded. Steve Austin going, yeah, I'm going to give the finger to my boss that ignited a world. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> people like, yeah, I do see myself in that. And so I think there's some truth to that with Boba Fett of just the, the lone gunslinger doing what he wants. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you have an emotional reaction to Empire Strikes Back, if you're if you're kind of with Han and you're rooting for him and you're like, yeah, do something weird and impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Impress Leia, you know, get out of the jam with your solo luck. And you're like, oh, no, who's yeah. the one person that Han Solo can't pull a fast one on? Boba Fett. Boba Fett. It makes you kind of you, you've got that that fantasy of could I ever be as cool as him, as mysterious as him? And also, I kind of hate him. I hate him, but I want to be him because he. He caught Han Solo and put him in pain, but also, uh, I wish I had a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. In a cool, deep voice. Like, yeah, this, this push-pull, if you're exposed, you know, initially to just original trilogy, uh, Boba mm -hmm. Fett, of hating him, but also wanting to be him. Yeah. Yeah, and we're definitely talking from the original trilogy pers perspective, and I think this doc kind of stayed in that world. I think for the most part it did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'd definitely be curious if other people's uh, view of Boba, Boba Fett from all different kind of angles, including the ones who are just now going, who's this character? Uh, oh, there's a series about this new character. Uh, yeah, and I'm this excited, yeah. Yeah, and it, 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 that was the other thing I think, yeah, I, I totally understand that it, it wanted to be a celebration and, and yeah. teeing up where he started, and it's amazing we're still talking about him. But yeah, this kind of uh, um, eruption over the last several years, really understandably, of, of people who didn't grow up with the original trilogy and just see a guy with limited screen time who who kind of goes out like a putz going, yeah, why are you, all of you, wandering around with <laughs> tattoos <laughs> and skateboards and can't... <laughs> Uh, what is the deal like there was there was understandable boba fett pushback from younger fans of like why you know yeah uh, and i think this uh, this is attempting to answer that a little bit a little bit a little bit yeah well, I, so we've talked about you weren't you didn't grow up a huge boba fett guy right yeah what, what was the height of your boba fett uh passion when did uh boba fett as a character really grab you and why I think it was in the years after Return of the Jedi. I mean, uh, again, I saw him die first. 
Right. Uh, that was my experience. So I didn't view him initially as a threat. He's like, yeah, get him out of there. And what a way to go. And I thought it was the high point of comedy, by the way. Uh, <laughs> what a great, and then, and then it burps. Oh my God. Watch it again. Rewind it again on the tape. Um, but I, after that, I started getting a little older, started thinking about maybe, Hey, do I, can I tell my own stories or, you know, doodle and draw my own comic books? Answer is no, I couldn't. I didn't have that particular skill. Uh, but, <laughs> You know, the design really starts to stand out. It really starts to pull me in. So in those uh, years after, uh, you know, late, late eighties for me, I, I was a Boba Fett fan in that sense. I just think there are other things started to pull me in about the story. And uh, I do like a good bounty hunter tale, but bounty hunters didn't interest me as much as others. So I didn't go around, you know, telling people he sucks or he's only on screen for six minutes. And it, I didn't, I liked him. I really liked him. And he's a great figure to have. I just uh, I liked other parts of the story and uh, totally got it, but didn't uh, didn't pull me in. Yeah, but but so for you the the connection is it, the aesthetic glory in the. Yeah. Yeah. I still consider him almost the standard of Star Wars designs, along with Vader. By the way, it, it's just such a simple and sleek design that it's timeless, and and how we get to that is almost mystical, right? With all the other concepts of Vader out there, but I yeah. think along along with that, I think I. Phasma comes out or a new character, whatever we're going to see in other properties. I, I, Boba Fett's always kind of that. You're like, is it as cool as Boba Fett? The first time I saw Fett. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think, is it as cool as Boba Fett? Yeah. This is definitely for me, one of those, uh, the fact that I was, uh, cognizant of the world around me in between empire and Jedi and, and mm -hmm. you know, got to really wonder and fantasize and have, have Boba Fett lives that total man of mystery, uh, mm -hmm. who's the, only one who could have caught Han Solo and, you know, wondering, like, is Luke ever going to be able to defeat Vader if Han even gets out of the carbon freezing? Can he escape Boba Fett? You know, like, having time to wonder and ponder and act out those things uh, mm -hmm. with an action figure was, I think, really, I am of that age to hook, hook me and Boba Fett in this ultimate. He is the, you know, absolute, you know, man of impossible cool and mystery. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember having specific conversations uh with other kids and with my brother just kind of like trying to break down why he's so cool like not in a super analytic way but this is this is around the same time that like i'm just I, i'm having my own emotional reactions to the world but i'm so young i'm also just being given information right yeah, by the yeah. world and i'm being told that trans ams and corvettes are the coolest thing ever and in my mind like corvette and boba fett were like <laughs> you know they they were combined yeah. and i was like sure. That's part of the reason that Star Wars is so great is because Darth Vader, Boba mm. Fett, you know, and I remember yeah. at a very young age going like, but Star Wars is great because they have the coolest names and like Boba Fett is if like a Corvette was a person. <laughs> I mean, you, you're probably not wrong. Some nice uh, T-tops there or something. Like, from there or something. <laughs> yeah. So I think that there was that initial thing and Ben Burt's thing about it just gets into your DNA. Like, you know, a lot of the other people that I would ever have any uh, opportunity to talk to Star Wars about, it was just one of the truths. He was just, he was absolutely cool. There, you know, there was no, like, are you a Boba Fett person or not? <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, every person I knew if they liked Star Wars, of course they were a Boba Fett person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think uh, for me, like when the when the prequels rolled around, I didn't really resist uh, Kid Boba Fett because, uh, you know, a lot of what I liked about Boba Fett was there in Django, you know? Mm, yeah. So it didn't bother me that Kid Fett was there. And then you get into the Clone Wars it, when I finally watched that. And, you know, 
the, the, it's a it's a pretty rough, brutal story about an orphan. <laughs> yeah, you know. So for me, a little bit, uh, I didn't ever go on a dip where I was like, ah, I don't like Boba Fett because he was he was a man of mystery, but now he's he's not. I was like, well, the things that we know him about him now are are pretty damn intriguing. Is the way I always felt. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. for you. Did you have a low moment in your Boba Fett fandom? I yeah, I was, I was hesitant there uh, because I think I had I started out my journey with young Boba Fett in a negative way. Okay, which is weird to say because going into Attack of the Clones, I was absolutely excited for Django. I I didn't have a there's Django fan. How stupid is that? I was like, oh that that pulls me in, and that photo of uh, the famous one of uh, Django tomorrow Morrison in the rain with the umbrella, right? Remember that kind of mm-hmm. came out before the movie. And I was like, what is, I love everything. I know that wasn't going to be the movie, but essentially, essentially Boba Fett senior or something in the rain. Like I, I was like on board for that. So I was excited. And I guess what? I love that sequence. And it, it's always been with me. I just, I think I was in that camp of, uh, you know, cause I didn't immediately see the need for uh, Boba and Django and the clone connection. Therefore that equals bad. You know, mm-hmm. which might have been a couple of years in in the mid two thousands. Of it's bad. Why? I just didn't see the need for it. Well, what, what what's what's it telling you? Uh, no, no, I just didn't see the need for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I really do. Uh, but I think I think if it had just been, you know, uh, I don't know. I liked him as a salty kid. You know, giving well, everyone and, and, the, the stink eye, and yeah. and I thought it was a little like, yeah, yeah it's, it's this is a, a little like Anakin's, uh, you know, yippee when he's just hey, 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 get yeah. it, Dad, you know. But any any sort of criticism where it's like, I, why do we see, need to see both of him? He's just a cute kid, you know. That kind of disappears when he's holding the helmet of his yes. father's severed head alone on a battlefield, utterly forgotten. Like, <laughs> I think for me, it just was. I was always fine. It's like this is still gritty Boba Fett. Yeah, well, and I think it goes to our bigger conversation we often have about the prequels of of, of a lot of our generation in that era. You, you sit here and, and, and you yell and scream about how bad it was, but in the back of your head, you're like, gosh, when he picks up that helmet, gosh, that is great and sad and a wonderful shot, you know, and, and you you start to, to process it a little different. And then I, I have to give credit. It's so great that Daniel Logan's in this um, uh, documentary, the, mm-hmm. the, the portrayal of him in the Clone Wars made me totally re- reevaluate how I viewed some of the stuff in, t- in Attack of the Clones, which I had maybe already been going through that process. But it just was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like Clone Wars made it better. It was like, oh, this is an extension of what was there for for us to, to dive into as fans and creators back then. I, so that that kind of changed it around. But that was just one of my points. Because again, because again, I'm not like I'm not a Boba Fett f- fan, quote unquote, uh, even though I own a ton of his figures. Uh, but it was, <laughs> was kind of like, why is he here? Fair question to ask all the time, but I I wasn't interested in the answer. I just wanted to say it. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And and I understand. I think you weren't alone in that. Uh, for mm-hmm. me, uh, a low moment for Boba Fett fandom. And uh, I, I totally understand that there's maybe people listening who absolutely love these books. Uh, but I had read, read the Han Solo trilogy from the EU and the Legends. And I thought, this is mm-hmm. great. Why haven't I been reading all these books? It's like, you know what? I'm going to, oh, Bounty Hunter Wars? Ah, I'm going to go read that. And and those books just weren't for me at the time. I read them mm-hmm. many years ago. I'll read them again. Uh, I loved getting to know Bosk and Dengar more. Yeah. But in those books, uh, Boba Fett was, he was like half impossible man of mystery and half like Sherlock Holmes who had predicted everybody's moves. Like, right, right, he was, right. he it for me in those books he was so cool mm. that he was flawless yeah and yeah. that made him 
uh, not as interesting to me because it was the sort of like, no matter what you do, Boba Fett's always going to be <laughs> eight uh, steps ahead. He was Thrawn. Like there, he had some yeah. Thrawn moments in there. Where he's like, I've, I have, uh-huh. uh, I have figured out that Boss will probably come back to this sector of space later. So of course I've left this trap. Like, uh, and that was again apologies to anybody who loves those books. You know, I, I think uh, also it is really about when you read them. And I was older when I read them, and mm-hmm. I wanted you know, a flawed character who kind of had to, to fight instead of the character who was just always totally cool and totally flawless. Well, I, I jumping, jumping around, we'll get back to the actual specific talk about the doc, I guess, but like, that's even why I'm more intrigued with Book of Boba Fett than I would have even thought I would be because I think we are literally going under the helmet now and, 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 and they're, they've done such a good job first in Clone Wars and then uh, later on in, in the Mando where I, I was, I was like you, I was like, I just, I'm not super interested in this guy. What is there? And that's a fair question to ask. And they're going, here's what it is. And when you allow the storytellers to go, hey, here's what we think it is, I think you can find stuff for your, for, for, for yeah. your fandom there. Absolutely. Still, uh, they're really reclaiming a little bit of that man of mystery, uh, in, mm-hmm. impossibly uh, great at, at fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, uh, he's a clone. He is a Mandalorian. He is an orphan. He does not want to be a bounty hunter anymore. It's taking all these ideas and, and kind of reconnecting them, uh, uh, all the different ideas of what Boba Fett has been and, and putting them all together, which is what's so exciting to me. Um, let's get into some of the details of the actual uh, documentary since we covered our yeah. Boba Fett feelings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, they talk a lot about the creation uh, of the look of Boba Fett, uh, about how uh, Johnston and Macquarie passed illustrations back and forth. Uh, and then how Lucas would give notes. Um, there was this great moment where uh, Joe Johnson was saying, like, you know, it was it was such a fluid process back and forth between us and notes from George. I can't remember who said, let's go with the T-shaped visor. <laughs> yeah. What do you think uh, uh, this story of, of Boba, Set, Boba Fett's aesthetic creation tells us about the creative process? It's a little like Star Wars, a team effort with a connection building toward a, a shared goal. And I think that's uh, when you enter in creative projects, that's the that's the best. That's what you want to hope for uh, when it doesn't work like that. It's everyone spinning their own plates and and not uh, working for that common goal indeed. And and I just it speaks to me as well with the and, and Johnson touched on it a little bit of of coming out of New Hope. You, you get you got to do something bigger and better and the shots were bigger and the budget a little bit everything there and 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 just the excitement the the excitement the pressure but also the confidence to know hey uh, collectively we all, we all succeeded we can continue that that trend and this idea of let's just all get in there together and oh that's great oh that's great that's that's a fun way to to create yeah i, I love that i think uh i think i wrote it down uh somewhere here uh but i love that he said yeah we we all didn't want this to be another sequel Right. Yeah. Just another sequel, uh, like the way sequels had been a lot at that time of eh, here's another one. <laughs> yeah. They uh, clearly saying they wanted it to grow and evolve. And it's just really cool to see that just that sense of like, well, what worked for us on Star Wars is pursuing these things that we think look cool, that we love. And I don't know, there's just throughout all of this origin stuff. There's such a sense of uh, fun and exploration. Right. Yeah, and just seeing that it's it's fluid. You're passing these drawings back and forth. What do you think is awesome? What does uh, what does George think is awesome? For me, it was just um, it was really nice to see because I, I think that's the way creative things should go. There should be times of experimentation. You should start down a path, and you don't know where it's going to end up. You just follow your gut, you know. Yeah, 
And I think it spoke to me because obviously we, we have the uh, understandable discussions a lot uh, about, you know, what is planned? Did they, did somebody not even know this when they started filming? And, mm. and sometimes I think that can go wrong. But for me, the creative process is you just keep laying down uh, one, one brick and then you get to, to where you're going. Yeah. And this was such a demonstration of that. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, you know, uh, not knowing exactly who did what, uh, you know, I just, I just love hearing that. I just, I just, it just, it, it, in, in, invites this image of uh, people hunkered over a table going, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then there's some great discussion about how Boba Fett was originally designed to be a super trooper, uh, that this suit was a prototype and they were going to make a hundred suits. Uh, and this design was for upgraded stormtroopers. Mm. How do you imagine that fitting into the Empire Strikes Back, you know, how would have that affected all of Star Wars if, if that plan hadn't changed? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what we think of as Boba Fett was the the uh, super stormtrooper. I got to tell you, it's funny. You know, this is one of those things that I think we've all known this little development detail in some form or another for years. Right. Like this. Right. is, And some of its present, uh, I believe, in even in the um, Empire Strikes Back novelization, there's some, you know, this is you talk about playground and bar conversations. This has been around for a bit. This is the first time I really stopped to think about what that actually would have been. <laughs> like, right. Huh. Huh. And it and it changes things, I think, in a lot of way. A lot of ways because it's an ominous threat if used correctly this looming shadow that challenges all of our heroes it connects to what we kind of love about stormtroopers anyways we got snow troopers short troopers death troopers video game any video game class of uh, super trooper you know <laughs> you got to beat you know five times on a level uh, all those kind of things um it, it makes it intriguing and what it actually would look uh, look like but if you're still going to flow down to the same spot which is all of these super troopers and their bosses being defeated by teddy bears. I wonder what that would have done. Would it have worked as well? I'm jumping ahead to 83, but I think it, I think it would have made empire even darker and like I said, more ominous and felt even more of a loss. I, I you know, I'm fine that it's not there. I love where we all end up, but hundred of them roaming around Bespin. If you're even going to carry out that idea directly. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the uh... Yeah, there's definitely just the variety, right? We're, we're going to talk about that Love more. That, the, yeah. What Boba Fett became added such variety uh, uh, to the palette of Star Wars. So there's that. But then, yeah, if you're picturing them as, where would they have fit in the narrative of Empire Strikes Back as we know it, right? Um, yeah. The, the Stormtroopers are a little bit downplayed because we got the Snowtroopers and all, all they really do is manage to take a couple pot shots at the Falcon. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and then the, the Stormtroopers are... Uh, mostly uh, very ineffective at stopping our heroes from escaping Bespin. Otherwise they just stand around and look cool. So like that thought of like, would, would it have had the same effect if they didn't have a big narrative purpose, right? If it was just a hundred suits and they're lined up, <laughs> uh, you know, in, in Bespin and, you know, but they don't do anything super cool yeah, or yeah, present right? a larger threat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Again, how they're, how they're rolled out. You know, again, yeah. I, I look at the Death Troopers, which we don't spend a ton of time with. They're they're there. They look cool. But yeah, same type of feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They earn it a little bit. Yeah. I, I guess the other big thing for me. So that was fun to just think about the evolution of mm -hmm. uh, Empire Strikes Back. But it was also just really cool to see that how much this idea came full circle, that there's always been a little something in the DNA of Boba Fett that is tied back to troops. Right. 
Yes. Uh, and for me, this this goes to kind of my my own uh, relationship with the prequels, where I, I liked a lot of them when they came out. I was mm-hmm. challenged by some of it, and you know, really kind of had this like epiphany of like, but this is what Lucas wanted to make. So instead of <laughs> yeah, yeah struggling uh, with what I think he should have done, just look at what he did. And this is yet another point like this to to remember like some of these ideas have existed or had existed for decades, right? Yeah. So when when Lucas and team sit down to make Attack the Clones and really answer that question, well, who are the clones and where'd they come from? It's suddenly, it, there's this great full circle poetry of like, hey, well, remember how Boba Fett started out as a fancy stormtrooper anyway? You know, yeah. what if there was this connection? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that it's... That's a great point to look at it from that. <laughs> it does all come like George is like, you know what? Nuts to that. We're going back to that idea. Um, that and then the, the Mando connection. I was even thinking as, as you're talking, of just like what if, if there's a bunch of these super troopers in this, all these, the cool armor and the look and everything, whether they're all painted white or not, or get their own identity, you got to, you know, signifying marks later. But what does that do to Mando fans, right? Like not the show, but like, <laughs> you know, the Mando Mercs and all these cosplayers and everything, because they kind of come along and fuel the love of, you know, one one character's costume and blow it up to something bigger in a lot of ways. I give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Um, is Do we not have Mando Mercs? We have Super Trooper Mercs? Like it would have <laughs> could very well change the course of a lot of people's fandoms. The sliding doors of Star Wars right there. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, for myself, I will never forget when I first saw the image of what clone troopers were going to look like in mm-hmm. Attack the Clones and saying like, well, there's somewhere between stormtroopers and Boba Fett. Yeah. Amazing. I was so hyped for it. And, and to see that that kind of that DNA was there since the late mm-hmm. 70s is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we then uh, see Ben Burt with what looks like an old game show host microphone, Love it. <laughs> which is great. Um, showing off this physical prototype that they have made of a super trooper and uh editor and director Dwayne Dunham is in the costume and there's this great discussion a great footage of Ben Burt uh describing things showing uh, different aspects of the character to the crew uh and George uh, uh says eh he needs a cape <laughs> and they just grab a towel uh, that the crew has been using to I think they said wipe off after they play volleyball and put that on Boba Fett's shoulder. <laughs> Wham. Uh, not Boba Fett yet. Anyway, mm. here's my question, Ken. If you had a time machine, would this be a moment you'd go back to when George Lucas puts the Star Wars towel on Boba Fett? I, I Yeah. Uh, I, I also, I don't want to step on the next, uh, you know, I'd also love to go to the parade. I'll tell you. Why oh, I'm yeah. No, we'll, we'll get to the parade. But no, I am definitely fascinated by this type of stuff. I, I've talked about in terms of like uh, groups, uh, a bunch of uh, comics in LA. Oh my gosh, did you all look around and go, "You're Richard Pryor, you're this, you're that"? You know, did you know you're all the epicenter epicenter of some great creativity that's going to be talked about for ages? Like, did you know, or is it just a Thursday? So the fact that they're all sitting around, Ben Burt's doing this awkward film to basically the, their own crew in England, and then someone's like. <laughs> Hey, this towel that we use to dry up after a hot, sweaty game of volleyball at lunch. (laughs) And that kind of uh, is something that we toss on. It just it also, again, reminds me of the kind of do it yourself nature of Star Wars, particularly in that era coming out of New Hope of like, I don't know, we're going to make this work. We're going to figure this out, which is the spirit of uh, I think at the heart of Lucasfilm and the heart of Star Wars. So I love that. I'd love to witness that and just kind of be sitting there silently going, oh, you all don't know what this means. You all don't know. Uh, and then plus it speaks to the power of capes in Star Wars. 
Absolutely. That, that's what it needs. A little cape. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just great humor in it, right? I've actually even seen the video of like that total just late 70s Star Wars merch <laughs> of the towel. Uh, but I think for me, what what really struck me and what made me go like, I want a time machine for this moment. Because you're right, there are many choices of, uh, just in this documentary, where would I use a time machine? Yeah. Your example of like, yeah, uh, creators who end up being like that group of Five people who are just like, did I have a good night? Am I going to have a date? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, doing the comedy show. Like, they're just, they're they're living their lives and it's a Thursday. Yeah. Uh, that's the reality in the moment. And then they go on to become iconic. And it, it, that the power of that in this mm. moment that all creators can do is just try things and see if they like them, right? Yeah. And then it's... It is the reception of audiences that make it into this huge, epic, iconic moment. And the, the mm-hmm. utter contrast between the moment, would you like to time travel back to the moment that the creator, mm-hmm. George Lucas, gave the best bounty hunter in the galaxy their finishing touch? Like, you can so see it as this, like, epic, overblown moment. <laughs> and the reality is, eh, throw a dirty towel on him. Yeah, yeah. That that contrast to me speaks of the reality of creation and then the reality of the reception of audiences is, is what makes a creation truly have power. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, I also have to point out that I've long been a deep, deep lover of the need arts. And I love that this is yes. in the initial presentation. Ben Bur- <laughs> bending over and there are also some sort of darts, projectiles <laughs> from each knee. <laughs> it's so true. That's so true. weird. So cool. Anyway, moving on. So due to these budget constraints, uh, the super trooper doesn't end up happening. And Lucas decides to turn Boba Fett into a bounty hunter. And Joe Johnson talks about how he took this all white suit uh, and just did whatever he wanted. He uh, he painted it. Uh, he put some dents in it. Uh, it talks about pressing into the mold with a rock. And then there you go. There's mm. Boba Fett in the look that we know him, the color that colors that we know him. What to you is the importance of that weathered look and that color scheme? It's everything. It's everything. And I love that there's a photo of Joe Johnson with his late 70s bowl cut just digging in <laughs> on that, that, that mask. It's everything. It's the implied history. And I think it's so, I think it's easy to overlook this kind of stuff. Uh, 40 plus years later with Star Wars and other kind of big franchises and everything. Uh, lived in world, lore, history. Uh, you know, you got to get the exposition out on what, when world build, we hear all these things and they're valuable parts of, um, all of these things we love, but this is again, don't overlook just the simple, uh, genius of Star Wars and Empire and Return of the Jedi for doing this kind of stuff. This is why you're probably pulled in for Boba Fett. This cool character standing there and he's got a dent on his helmet. Why? I got to know. We're still trying to figure out what officially is the story. Right. And it was yeah. because Joe Jonathan's like, eh, give me that hammer. that looks good i love that it's bonkers to me that that's all it was and that's it's everything yeah i think for me yeah the 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 aesthetic obviously is just like a huge part of what boba fett is just the mystery and they even say Mm -hmm. here of like well if he's all scarred up you're gonna ask yourself well why what happened to him and that invents you know in in, invites uh uh creative creativity like like feloni said it's uh, you know, the aesthetic version of what we talk about often, the, the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. storytelling where that's a power of Star Wars to make you go like, that's really cool. I want to know more. If I can't know more yet, I will, you know, brainstorm. <laughs> I will imagine. I will have headcanon that starts to fill it in. And I think 
a, a power of the aesthetic even at the time is it was already a mix of Star Wars old and new, right? Because mm -hmm. the lived in look was this great revelation. It's a space fantasy and it's a banged up uh, universe instead of the gleaming clean sci-fi that a, a lot of things on screen had been. So yeah. that was already like the established, you know, look of Star Wars. But then at the same time, Boba Fett is expands the palette of Star Wars so much of literally in colors, right? Of that, mm -hmm. that dark green, um, the, just that style of like, oh, you can, you can be armored like a stormtrooper or Darth Vader, but it's not this sort of rigid militaristic. It's this right, really right. rugged and individual, but it's still armor. And then of course, just that he was the expression, the expression uh, of, of bounty hunters, right? Yes. Yeah. So there's so much about him that expands the palette of Star Wars right away, building on what was there from A New Hope, but in Empire Strikes Back, exploding out how big the galaxy can be in your imagination. Yeah, that that's like yeah you you you, uh, you mentioned Filoni, but that is that is what you're taking to the playground. You're taking that weathered suit to the playground in your soul. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we we have to talk about some some George Lucas quotes because that <laughs> was great. So George Lucas does briefly mention the holiday special. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't say too much. He's like, we, we weren't involved much. Uh, <laughs> but he talks about how it was his uh, suggestion of like, hey, why don't you throw in a little animated film and we can put this Boba Fett guy in there and introduce some audiences and that'll be cool. Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, Ken, if you were interviewing Lucas, what more would you ask him about this? What would we know? We've heard many quotes. He's, he was not a fan of Holiday Special. He was not involved. Mm -hmm. uh, quote going around about he wanted to destroy every copy. Given all that context, what would you ask him? I, I think I would follow almost in the four center vein of like, we get all the other stuff. I can understand why you want to destroy every copy, George. But let me ask you, is there anything in there you do like? Is there any <laughs> little moment or beat or bit of lore or something? And, and this could be included, I guess. Uh, to to be like, what's there for you? Uh, you know, I don't love you know the holiday special either. I guess, but also I've grown to really just love the things in there. Love the wild, crazy characters. This this animated short is available on Disney Plus. I suggest you all watch it if you haven't had a chance. It, it really almost reads like a Mando pilot episode to me. Mm -hmm. And you can see where Fa Favreau and team are looking at that and going, yeah, let's play around with this kind of idea. Um, with, with with Mando and then eventually Boba Fett. So uh, yeah, that's what I would ask George. I, 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 yes, throw me all that George snark about it. But but like, what's in there? Is there anything? And, and knowing George, I don't know George by the way. Uh, knowing George, he might just be like nothing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I want to ask. Yeah, you want to at least try. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe they didn't. It's on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think in a similar vein to that, I think I would maybe ask him how he feels about the reception of it. Of like, yeah, obviously, you know, it, it was a thing that people kind of marveled at of it being this weird document of its time where it doesn't quite match up with the Star Wars aesthetic to be this weird variety show. Uh, but now a ton of people enjoy it. Some ironically, some sincerely, because they just enjoy that era of entertainment. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it represents this fun-loving and sillier side of Star Wars. Uh, and it has caused a lot of joy. And mm -hmm. I would maybe ask Lucas how he feels about that. Like, I know <laughs> yeah. that you were not happy with it, uh, but how do you feel about the fact that it's out there and it's making people happy now? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, talk about that. Smile, yeah. George, smile. Yeah, and then who knows, I'll have to dig deep. Maybe somebody's asking this. I, I would like love to ask him, like, well, if you had time to get involved, you know, what would you have you tried to do with it? When, when you 
found out like what wait a minute you're <laughs> yeah uh crumman's pouring a drink uh, directly onto his brain what's happening here uh who's doing a song about what uh, <laughs> uh chewy's dad has what kind of fixation mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what would he have stepped in and, and done instead yeah yeah all right all right all right george uh, take out bruce valanche and uh you know write it yourself <laughs> exactly what would have happened then all right so this is one of the uh the big pieces of this uh special so uh the wonderful uh steve sans sans sweet who i'm so glad it's featured we'll talk more about later uh he's talking about how a couple of months before the holiday special came out uh the san anselmo local parade in marin county marin county uh has this parade George Lucas wants uh, some Star Wars represented there because it's his town. Uh, and they have a screen-used Darth Vader costume and, at this point, the Boba Fett costume mm-hmm. with Dwayne Dunham once again in it, just walking down this parade. And we go... A lot of people have great insights about it. There's great footage of it. And we cut to a, a moment where George Lucas says, and that's where it really started. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to hear any of your parade thoughts or, or emotions, uh, but I'm also really curious just what, what does it mean to you that the true premiere of this deadly bounty hunter was in a sunny California parade surrounded by children? California. I love that. I love it. It seems so right for Star Wars. Again, this is a very DIY part of uh, the franchise's history of they're just trying to make it, uh, you know, they got a bigger budget this time around, but just trying to put stuff out there, trying to connect uh, and just, uh, yeah, grab grab that towel, but also yeah, grab that character and put it in the parade. Yeah, uh, why not? Yeah. I love that part of it. Yeah. Um, the parade itself, it, and they said in this, was it uh, Sansweet or Burt? Birth said, uh, we really like 10 years ago, suddenly we realized this parade happened. I think it was Steve Sansweet who, who had yeah. said that we, you know, just, you know, relatively recently put it all together. That that was his actual first appearance anywhere. Yeah. So the way it was phrased, it makes you think like suddenly they're all like, wait a minute, there was a parade when you had, <laughs> you know, Dwayne Dunham who goes on, you know, directs some Clone Wars episodes. No one mentioned this at any point, but growing up, yeah, we didn't know about this. I didn't hear about this. And, uh, when everyone else kind of uh, this news kind of broke. And, and, and I, what I was fascinated, this is when I talk about, you talk about, talk about time traveling. I'd love to go back to here because up until I've seen some footage of it, this is the most I've like lived with that footage, like seen it uncut uh, for uh, more than two seconds. Yeah, I've seen and still photos, but, but the, the amount of footage is amazing. Yes. And the fact that there's people there with cameras taking pictures, they're not cell phones, but you know, they're taking pictures. Who has these pretty historic shots, like follow that person to their uh, Chrysler and and <laughs> take a, a VW van and and go develop that. Hopefully it's in focus. You won't know until you get the photos back and hold on to that because it's such a weirdly historic moment that just passes literally by you in a, in a small town parade. That blows my mind. I love it. I'd love to live with that. I'd love to go back and experience that from that point of view. Yeah, I think I'm. This was one of the the beats that just really hit me uh, emotionally. Um, Filoni has talks about like a, a screen used costumes just walking down the street. That's not Bonkers. how it goes now. Bonkers. Bonkers. <laughs> and there's really a reflection of you know changing times for me. And I think this was a, a nostalgia drop that really got me. Mm. Of you, you had a similar experience to me, and you've mentioned it many times. Of you know seeing. Uh, books that said, you know, from the uh, further adventures of Luke Skywalker and assuming like, 
well, then those books exist. And I just, I just, I can't, you know, I don't, I'm not going to Google it. I'm just going to go to bookstores (laughs) and dig through used bookstores and see if I can find them. Um, I'm, I, I'm not an old man yelling at cloud saying that's the way it should be. Right. Right. Cause, cause time changes, but there is a magic to that. And I feel like this has a similar magic of imagine being a kid and star Wars is just mind blowingly popular. And Darth Vader is now one of the most familiar <laughs> pop culture characters yeah. in the world. He's on everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And who the hell is that just walking by him? <laughs> Right, the idea that a new Star Wars character in that one and one that cool could just organically pop up at like a grocery store opening. It, yeah, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> There's yeah. such wonder in that, and in, in the kids who got to experience okay. that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, man, it just uh, you okay. can't really do it now, you know, because we live in such a, a marketing yeah. time. And if that happened, it would be all over social media and that. But but I still think we could do more things like. Like that. I think reveals were just like, yeah, the, the new baddie just shows up, you know, somewhere as a surprise, you know, yeah. in person, not a, yeah. on a trailer. That would be really cool. I, guys, I met, I met Kylo Ren at a Jiffy Lube opening. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, he cut the, he cut the ribbon and everything. I, yeah, I remember a little bit of that because I think I, I was wandering around uh, Star Wars Celebration 2015. Yeah. Um. And uh, I think I was walking around with with Chris Taylor because we had so loved his book and met yeah. him on Jedi Alliance. And, and um, I think I, re- I remember seeing prop. I think we were just talking about it, but there were props labeled First Order and Resistance. Yeah. And yeah, there was. That was the first that I'd heard that. It was. No, yeah, right. It, was, it wasn't like kind of upstairs at the end yeah. of the Center. Yes. So that was and I didn't get to go in there. The lines were long by the time I checked in the next day. Yes, that was the re- that was the reveal. Oh, my God. You're that's a. It's a long, God, seems like decades ago when it was really, I know, it, but it's just like, there is a magic to, cause you feel like you're an archeologist who discovered something, <laughs> you know, in the sand. Right. Yeah, Totally. And, and you know that, yeah, no, that's the way the marketing's deciding to roll this out. And eh, it's fine. Yeah. But it's still just like a really fun feeling. And I, 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 I would, it would be great to have more moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Uh, we are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to finish our discussion of this 21-minute special. And yes, people who listen to Force Center regularly know that we would absolutely beat the time of 21 minutes discussing this 21-minute special. So we'll be back in a moment to see how long we go. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. 
Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we are back to finish our discussion of Under the Helmet, the Legacy of Boba Fett. Moving on from that great emotional parade, uh, we get into Filoni and Ben Burt really discussing the Western gunslinger element of Boba Fett's character. Uh, ben Burt uh, talks about how he suggested if, if he's supposed to be kind of Western, why can't he have spurs? And then is surprised when the Foley artist, Bob Rutledge, just adds the spur sound effect to Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Uh, Ken, did you hear the spurs as a kid? And uh, and also, you know, to you, what is the impact of this big gunslinger vibe? Uh, as God is my witness, never, never heard them. <laughs> never paid attention to it. I was probably, again, watching on a VHS tape on a TV that, uh, let's just say, wasn't a smart TV. Uh, even though my dad's uh, like a sound guy, he's like a sound engineer uh, uh, guy uh, in his free time when he wasn't an engineer in his day job and built us uh, speakers and surround like he, that, he was obsessed with good sound. It never picked up the spurs for me. Not saying they weren't there. I'm just saying I didn't really focus on it until maybe some point in college, someone said something. I was like, really? Eh, I guess you're right. And that was all, that's all I thought about it until uh, chapter five of Mando season one. 
Yes, and everybody's like the Spurs. It's the Spurs. Yeah, I'm. I'm so there with you. Uh, uh, the the Spurs did not uh, make it through the squeak and hiss of ancient television speakers from a <laughs> pan and scan VHS to my ears. Unfortunately, yeah, it was much later in life. It's like, oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we we are late late in life spur hears. What <laughs> what about the big um gunslinger vibe to you? Uh, no, no, that works and that tracks and this and and uh, you know definitely I love that the the spur sound is there now. It does make sense and the connection to uh, the poncho and some of the classic uh, westerns uh, that George definitely loved. Uh, I, I really was behind Floney on this of like this is what George does. He's this kind of film fan who an, an entertainment fan who wanted to tell his own version of that. This tracks is what basically Floney was saying and it does work. It is part of the mystique for these type of characters, Mando included, a little bit of Han, hey, even Cobb Vance, the small town sheriff. All that stuff does work, even if they're just Hollywood versions of what really was there. It doesn't matter. It flows into the entertainment side of it, and uh, and I love that it's there. Yeah, I, I think it's really great to revisit. Obviously, we're having a huge renaissance of that because Din Djarin Mandalorian certainly borrows a lot of that mystique of original trilogy Boba Fett of the the lone gunslinger. But I think it was so important there in Empire Strikes Back. And, you know, when I was a kid or probably even a teen, I probably could not have told you like, ah, yes, yeah. Sergio Leone, of course, that's the inspiration, right? right? Yes. yes. But, it, it, but it still got to me the, the sense of swagger. The yes. sense of he's maybe got like a code. He's got a way that he does things. And that sense of being uh, one person against the world, you know? Yes. Uh, yes. He didn't say the line, you know, I, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. But that attitude was communicated to me as a kid. And I think that's what's important. It's, it's beyond the aesthetic. It's that mood that made uh, Boba Fett cool to kids. Yeah, yeah, it goes a little bit to that bigger conversation of, of we we love the bad guys. It's it's not wrong from George, and and maybe we are, uh, he maybe his he is right that we need to analyze that from time to time. Uh, and I think we we do that as you get older. But I there is something about you just kind of said it one, one person against the world uh, in your own little space van flying around and just <laughs> you know especially for me I'm just quiet kid in school and that's why I loved Han even though I'm maybe probably was more. Luke in a way, I know you've closely identified with Luke, but I like, I wanted to be Han and that drove me to follow Han more. I think there's some connection with that. And and, and that the gunslinger vibe has a lot of that going for it better or worse. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I really like this quote from Joe Johnson saying, George never worried about stuff like that. Uh, he never felt he had to give you a big backstory talking about how much that is. No, he's a, he's a bounty hunter and he had a Western swagger, like a gunslinger. There you go. That's Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just, it, I thought it was a great celebration of what we often talk about of tip of the iceberg storytelling, but but having it just all be in everything that you need to know about this character is in aesthetic, it's in mood, it's in attitude, and uh, maybe spur sound effects if you hear them. If you <laughs> if you hear them. Uh, so we move, it moves on to celebrating uh, the performance of Boba Fett. Uh, we hear about Jerry Bullock's life uh, as Boba Fett. Uh, Filoni really compliments the distinctive movements uh, that Jeremy Bullock gave in the role. Uh, Jeremy Bullock's wife, Maureen, talks about how much the convention scene took off in the mid-90s and how much Jeremy Bullock really embraced that. What part of the sort of celebration of Jeremy Bullock was uh, moving or affecting to you? Well, here's the answer, Joseph. This upon first viewing is what got me to cry. Wow. This is, this is it. This is the moment. And, 
And look, no secret to Force Center fans, you, me, and Jennifer have talked all, all six years here at certain moments where the franchise becomes something more. That's probably why we check in on it every week. That's why we love talking about it every week. Uh, uh, recently, this this like uh, thing I keep saying, of, I just consider myself more of a student of Star Wars, meaning I just love to come sit around and continue to learn from it, continue to be inspired from it. And and when I make jokes about crying about Admiratus, that really happened to me. One day, out of nowhere, just watching it, probably I think still on DVD back then, they jump out of hyperspace and I just start bawling. I just start bawling because <laughs> I'm so clued into the story and so inspired by what that little silly statement of Radis meant there and everything to the story I've been following my whole life. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. we're all here for that. And there's something about the story of Jeremy Bullock. I, you know, been so familiar with that name and, 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 there's there's something about you know we just we just lost him. Here's his wife talking about it and talking about her own memories with him. And then when Filoni says a lot of his movements are, are you can set the tone for what 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 we're dealing with in 2021 with this character. That's so right too. But there was something about in the mid 90s going to the conventions when even though we get the the Thrawn trilogy, even though we got some books coming around and comics and everything, it's a different time for Star Wars. We're coming out of those dark ages, and here is Jeremy Bullock carrying the flame. Yes, because it's something he's uh, he was proud of doing, and yes, he wanted to continue to celebrate it. And yeah, probably make a couple bucks here and there. I get all that, but there's you, you, you've been to a ton of conventions. I've been to a ton of conventions. Autograph Alley can sometimes be a place where people go to laugh at others. Quite frankly, mm -hmm. I've seen it. Look at that! Look at that person. Oh, he was an extra in that movie, and now he's here trying to get an autograph. And and it can there can be a negative con connotation sometimes. Also, Chris Evans can go make 600000 in a weekend. Um, but <laughs> there's something about Bullock doing it during this time where there wasn't the convention culture like there is now. And him just going, I want to be out with the fans. I did this thing. I'm proud of this thing. They love it. They're connecting with it. And then the cult of Boba Fett even grows from that. We, I, we might owe a ton to him doing this uh, than almost any other thing with Boba Fett. Of him just going, yeah, I was the guy. You like the guy? I'm the guy. Let's celebrate the guy. As some about it, it just got me. It moved me. Uh, and uh, I, I was at seven in the morning on Disney Plus Day having an English muffin crying. <laughs> yeah, the 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 parade uh, really got me in my emotions, and and this one too. Just seeing how much it was framed through the life that he and his wife made the choice to lead together, embracing this. Right? Um, there's a there's a great documentary, uh, Elstree, uh, 1976, that you can find on Amazon that really talks about this whole uh, community and, and culture of you did, yeah, it's it's a business now. Uh, you you can you can make money and it it you know and Jeremy Bullock was one of the, the big kids on the block and had some great moments in that interview. But yeah, you can sort of ugh, I I played this guy in two movies for you know mm -hmm. it was few amount of minutes i didn't even do some of the stunt work and yeah and they want they want to give me credit for it I, I've, I've been in doctor who i've been in james bond i've been in a million other movies but but i'm i'm just this i'm the boba fett guy like you could imagine someone being cynical yeah. about it so just the kind of person that that both himself and his wife made it a part of their life to basically go to places and instead of laughing at the fans right yeah. Or just taking the money and going, fools, going, you love this guy? Somehow this little tip of the iceberg storytelling with this guy spoke to you so much that you want to meet me? Yeah. Great. Then I'll dress up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will sign your, your things. I will take photos and kind of by that act, validating mm -hmm. this communication between the stories 
like Boba Fett starts on screen and then he becomes so much more to fans because we imagine. Yeah. And then to have the actor go, and that's cool and that's great and I support it. Yeah. You know, yeah. that was moving. It speaks to Star Wars as family, the fandom. And and I think we all talk about if you haven't had a chance to experience Star Wars Celebration, I, I pray to the old gods and the new that you out there <laughs> listening get to do it or that you, you have it with your own friends. I recently talked about how I was up a at a Barnes and Noble in Victorville, California, Kent Salas from Blue Milk Latte put together this uh, event for the for the, the book I wrote, and we had a trivia night. and And one guy came up after and said, "I've been looking forward to this for months, and I took the night off from work because you don't get to talk Star Wars with people. We mm. we don't all get to experience that, especially if you don't have a, a podcast you're doing six hours every week on." And I, I looked at this, and that that moved me as well. Plus, the his wife having these memories of them getting to do this together, and he's no longer there. That got me too a little bit. But there's just Star Wars fans are family, and when you go to celebration and you're all crying collectively over a, a, a trailer it's not a silly little franchise at some point you just eh, it's a general i like i like star wars and I, you know that's fine that's why i get defensive still i was recently on one of my the old youtube channel i just shut down i got shamed by a dude who owns a pittsburgh pizza joint he said said oh i said something about game of thrones he goes those people take it so seriously as if I wasn't in the room. I was so mad. So mad. So mad. I said, I was, it was a day I wasn't on air. I was pressing the, the buttons. I was running the OBS. I just, I wanted to storm out or storm it in. Yeah. Good thing you didn't have knee darts. Knee darts. Because it's, and, and, and it's like, just, just because you love something that much and to have it just, you know, this is what we might face on the outside, especially on the playgrounds in the eighties. And sorry, I'm monologuing a bit, but, no, but it great. brought up all the emotions of, yeah, Bullock going, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, again, he's making a buck or two. I get that. He should because he did this and he's putting in the time. But like you said, you love this? Yeah, you know what? I love it too. Let's let's hug and celebrate and take pictures. And what's your favorite thing about Boba Fett? I'm going to put on the costume. Even if I have you know, white hair, it doesn't matter. I'm still the guy and you still love the guy. There's, it really got me. It really moved me. It was, the best, it was my favorite part. Yeah, it, it was great. And I loved uh, kind of the, the end of this little segment of – uh, Maureen Bullock showing that uh, that autograph and saying this is how he always signed it. Stay cool, stay cool. Jeremy <laughs> yeah. Bullock, Boba Fett is just so great. And yeah, yeah uh, it, it, I think you're so right to to say like you can see that footage and see all those people in line with the Boba Fett shirts and like, just remember you don't know anything about them, right? Yeah. I mean, what did they go through, right? Is, is there somebody who's got like a hard job, maybe lost people in their life? But man, when they were a kid, Boba Fett was the coolest. And this is just a, this, this human here is in a, an attachment to a moment of joy in their lives. And, and why disrupt that in any way? Yeah. 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 Anyway, we could go on and on about that, but we're going to move on. Uh, we celebrate the wonderful Jeremy Bullock. And then we see some brief footage of stunt corner coordinator Glenn Randall Jr., putting on the armor to film Boba Fett's death scene in Return of the Jedi and someone, I wasn't sure who it was, saying, let's shoot this death. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I think it was Marquand, right? I think, I, I think it was Marquand. I honestly just didn't have time to, to double, triple check. So uh, yeah, no, no, apologies I know. for that. No, no, no. I, yeah, no, no, not the, not the highlighted. I just was dying at that whole sequence because you got Lucas there just doing the directing, but Mark one's trying to do the directing. It was a great full insight. Anyways, well, let's shoot this death. So uh, here's my question for you of, uh, did you want to see more about Boba Fett's role in Return of the Jedi? 100%. Yeah, this is where you extend the documentary about 10 more minutes, just at least 10 more minutes about this and the choice behind it and why George thought this is the way that we got to do it. And, and just a lot more of Glenn Randall Jr. in those specs in the sun. 
I need I need more of that. Yeah, that would have been absolutely great. Um, I think this is for me where like the the um, the special is great and there continues to be more great things. And then it's like, it's totally understandable. We're not going to kind of go through the ups and downs like say Empire of Dreams does, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like I, I would have to track down exactly which interview or documentary Lucas talks about how like, well, if I knew people loved him that much, I wouldn't have sent him out like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't have mind hearing Lucas's kind of modern take on why he made that choice to off Boba Fett and to off Boba Fett in that way. Um, and, and there was fan reaction for people who were like, he is the Corvette of human beings. He's the coolest thing ever. Hey, what? Uh, he, he, he got a slapstick death and he, there was a burp for yeah. the coolest person in the galaxy. Like, you know, that, that was one of the first moments of, uh, Boba Fett and Star Wars, you know, Fury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I understand that this uh, special is a celebration, <laughs> yeah. not a, a uh, wrestling with demons. So we will move on to another really great moment. Uh, there's a nice discussion of Daniel Logan's role as young Boba Fett in Attack the Clones and returning to voice Boba in the Clone Wars animated series. series. Uh, uh, there, Lucas says, acting-wise and everything, it was good to have Tem, meaning Tamora Morrison, there, because he'd worked the character out and they were supposed to be the same person more or less. So first question for you, how did you feel about that, about George Lucas saying, yep, Django and Boba Fett are the same person more or less. Where do you land on that? Uh, First of all, I always loved it. We love to analyze that George, George speak, right? Where he's just like, they're the same person statement. That's a fact. And then, all right, I'll give you some room to think more or less, more or less. (laughs) Um, uh, I never, you know, clones, even though it's such a big part of Star Wars, you know, when it comes back up with the Emperor and, and Rise of Skywalker, I've always said, eh, I'm not a huge fan of cloning. That just means I don't like Luke. Like, I just, you know, uh, how you deal with it uh, and how you execute the, the concept of clones in Star Wars is, is, is the selling point for me. And and I've, I've I, 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 I see them. They do, they, they do such a good job in the Clone Wars series of saying, yeah, they are clones. They are essentially the same. But really... Uh, once they're once they're out of the egg, once they've hatched, they're their own, and they all develop their own uh, identities and and personalities, and and uh, and that's what's important about it. And 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 I think uh, that's where I land with it on, on that angle of it. The Boba and Django of it all, probably the same thing. I mean, look, I walk and talk like my dad more than I care to admit these days, anyway. So, <laughs> am I a clone? No, but am I more or less the same person? I try not to be sometimes, but I guess I am. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just it was exciting for me to hear, you know, fresh words from uh, from Lucas on this. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I think it is one of the things that always made me OK with Boba Fett being a kid in the prequels, even though I grew up with him as the, the awesome man of mystery uh, is it just opens up so many interesting avenues of thought. The mm-hmm. idea of what would drive somebody like Django, who, who does seem like Boba Fett from the original trilogy of like this uh, impossibly cool man of mystery just trying to get by with his own code and then saying, I don't want to have a biological child. I want an identical version <laughs> of myself, you know, and that leads me to think is like uh, almost that like uh, a sense of like take two on the existence of me, right? Like, <laughs> is he erasing him to be the same, but yes, better? Yes, yes. You know, mm. T- you know, it is, it is evolution. That, that is what we all, I think most parents hope for is like, can I give my kid even a better life than I did? And we keep going like that. Right. Yeah. But the idea that Django is like, uh, I'm going to raise him to be, you know, everything that I know, he's exactly the same as me, but what am I going to tell him that I wish I'd known or 
or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and then we, and then we get introduced to this great tragedy where, you know, clearly Boba is Django DNA wise, but now he's going to be shaped on the, by this entirely different life experience of losing his father in this awful way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, yeah, there's some uh, exploring the idea from Django of being like, yes, more the same. In fact, more, more violence, uh, more better at being a hunter. Yeah. There's some interesting conversations to have around that. Yeah. So uh, I bet we'll get to talk about that a lot more when Book of Boba Fett comes out. But for now, let's talk more about just this Daniel Logan, who's always really embraced uh, the role in Star Wars fans as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, His interview was very charming. Was there anything in particular that you enjoyed in that uh, interview section? I just love, uh, you know, the the, the prequel actors all have different uh, relationships with those films. Right. And. And um, different experiences, but also kind of went through some of the same, uh, you know, mudslinging. And and we know some of the, the extreme cases, uh, some of the tragedy around just Jake Lloyd's life and struggles and, and Ahmed Best and what he went through. And I just always enjoy seeing actors from that era, uh, including Ewan McGregor, look at this fondly with smiles and positive memories and also still being welcomed, welcomed and feeling welcome by the Star Wars fans. And I think the Clone Wars animated series did that probably for Daniel Logan more than I think anything else. You know, the fact that he was there and was given that chance. I love there's a shot of him in the booth and you got young Filoni there next to him going, yeah, you're Boba Fett, say these lines. Loved all that. And he just seems like a like a great cat too. And and I uh, love that. Uh, I love that he can show his, his kid uh, the uh, the Camino and, and Daniel Logan by memory knows the Camino escape figure. Yeah, yeah, that that it, it is just like that great tradition of uh, are you uh, where do you fall as a Star Wars actor? Are you more a Mark Hamill, a Harrison Ford, a Carrie Fisher? <laughs> yeah. Do you have your action figures uh, sub name memorized? And Daniel Logan's like a mm-hmm. I'm from the Hamill camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm all in nerd, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. Anyways, it's great. I love I love seeing those smiles, and not everyone uh, gets to experience those smiles yet. So I'm 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 here for smiles and all prequel actors. Yeah, I really love that. He tells this very funny story about uh, looking at a Star Wars visual dictionary on set and looking at a picture of Boba Fett. And we, it, it's it's being filmed for some behind-the-scenes yeah. thing for Attack of the Clones, and he's on the set. And it's, you know, Daniel Logan as young Boba Fett, exactly as you remember. And uh, he says, wow, I even get the jetpacks. That was all charming. But the fact that he's wearing a Darth Maul t-shirt, it's <laughs> Boba Fett wearing a Darth Maul t-shirt is so charming. Love it. Love it. Yeah, and it made me want to uh, collect that uh, figure that he's talking about showing to his son because I forgot that it came with his dad's helmet. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, from there, we go to Steve Sans- Sansweet's Rancho Obi-Wan, another just uh, titan of uh, of Star Wars lore. Uh, yeah. As Steve Sansweet uh, describes uh, his museum there, he says, what used to house 20,000 hens now houses Rancho Obi-Wan. Mm. He shows us some of the Boba Fett merch that he has. Is there any particular merch that you enjoyed seeing? Um, I can't wait to one day actually get up to Rancho Obi-Wan, uh, if that's still possible. I just, I just, uh, I'm overwhelmed every time I see it. I love the little things. I love the dancing. Uh, he said, hey, it's Boba Fett. It's really all the characters, including Keith Ueso, the, the Japanese toy dancing along. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Uh, the egg was great. Yeah, I just... Uh, it just, it, there's nothing specific that jumped out uh, even on second uh, viewing because it's just, there's so much and it just speaks to the lore of Boba Fett that it, even down to a, a decorated egg. Uh, I love, uh, I love that it just, that's that, that's what Boba Fett, that's part of his legacy. 
Yeah, I, there's something about uh, a what ended up be ultimately being a clone. I don't know exactly when that egg was made, mm-hmm. <laughs> being mm-hmm. celebrated uh, by an egg. And, and Steve Santry's funny comment, like the the contents of the egg are long gone. Since we have, yeah. he's he's always fun uh, to watch an interview. And I've I've never met him. I don't know if have you ever met Steve. I, I have not met. I've yeah. heard, you know, our, our friend Bonnie Burton worked yeah. at Lucasfilm for a long time, and she always speaks very, very highly of very him. And, and, I and just, he comes across as absolutely wonderful. Because every interview he gives, he doesn't, he just wants to give, he he doesn't assume that you're going to know everything he's talking about. So he'll say a fact or something that we've all heard 200 times, but it doesn't matter to me. He, he just presents it with the same joy and glee every time. And I just love, love his love for Star Wars. Absolutely. And one of the things he does like that is he clarifies the history of the infamous rocket firing Boba Fett action figure uh, and shows the Kenner apology card. So mm-hmm. that you could send away for Boba Fett and the ads uh, if you collected the proof of purchases from the other action figures and that the, it promised a rocket firing Boba Fett. And then they sent it out. Uh, they didn't only have the prototypes. They didn't release the rocket firing. And he showed the Kenner apology card that yeah. came with your send away. Boba Fett, which yeah. that was great. And I, I had not seen the apology card before. What, if any, were your memories of Boba Fett's rocket firing? Did, did you think that you had it? Did you think that a kid <laughs> down the block had it? Did you fall for the urban myth? It was one of those first uh, urban legends and myths, right, that we all kind of learned of, you know, a kid died from this, which uh, wasn't true, but tragically was, I think, true for another another toy, right? That it was the Battlestar Galactica. Um, yeah. But I just love it. Yeah, I love that it's that I can't remember the the day or time I first heard it, but it's always lived in my mind. And I love that it's uh, been clarified a few times now of nope, no one you knew had one <laughs> unless now you are a collector who's paid six figures for it. Uh, and again, it just all adds up to the mystique and mystery of Boba Fett. Even his toy has this great mystery around it. Yeah, I have such fond memories of this because I have these very foggy memories of seeing the the sticker on the other figures mm-hmm. uh, saying, hey, this Boba Fett guy's coming. Boba Fett is just like the best for like, okay, he's the coolest looking character you've ever seen. And he's uh, in parades. <laughs> he's on animated TV specials. You can send away for his action figure. And we know nothing about him, but we want him so much. It's yeah. just there's, you know, there's, there's such tradition in that. Uh, I was confused for years about, did people have the rocket fire ones? I know ours didn't, but. Right, right. Uh, and also just fond memories of, uh, I did, my brother and I did collect proof of purchases for this Empire Strikes Back era accessory pack that was, I think it had like a carrying case for Yoda and it had oh, yeah. gas masks. Uh, and yeah, we, we just got an apology. It was like, sorry, we ran out. <laughs> we were so mad. Uh, look, I don't know the details of the current toy landscape, but I love that Star Wars for a few years just sent you letters. Yeah, here's an empty box. Don't worry. We'll get you some toys. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't do it. <laughs> Sorry, kid. Don't lose your top over it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, from there, we start to wrap up this special uh, with, uh, yeah, an advertisement for Boba Fett's return in The Mandalorian, but an advertisement with some some meat on its bones. Yeah. Uh, the thrill of Tamora Morrison being back is, is an actor uh fans finally getting to spend some real uh quality time on screen with boba fett uh ming na wen even says what happened to boba fett after he was swallowed by the sarlacc that's a story in and of itself so what part of boba fett's story are you excited to see ken i'm truly i'm really excited about just seeing who the hell is this guy right now five years after is he nice is he bad somewhere in between a lot of the big teams you and i've already discussed i i truly am excited about that 
I, I, I do feel as though I want, I think I'm ready more than any other point in my life to, to, to see what happened seconds after they, the sail barge blew up and everyone went away. Like I, I I'm on board for that just to see that's the starting point essentially. And, and where does he go from there? Uh, you know, the, 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 why was he not going to get his armor earlier and da, 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 all those kind of things are, are really tantalizing questions because of who is the person that climbed out of that pit. Yeah, I definitely hope that uh, we get that forward-moving story that they're showing us in the trailer of him trying to change the system and yeah. not wanting to be a bounty hunter anymore, wanting to be a leader who rules with respect, not fear, and all that great stuff moving forward. But I hope within that we get the flashbacks to the escape of from the Sarlacc, the recovery, maybe his Jedi feelings about how he, how he ended up there, or Han feelings about how yeah. he ended up there, or self-hating feelings for how he ended up there. And I think part of the reason is like, yeah, no, it's been years of wondering as a, as a Star Wars fan, different versions of that story. Yeah. It's a version of the story in that uh, Bounty Hunters War book I read back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's just, it's such classic Star Wars mythology of like, you go down into the belly of the beast and face a trial and emerge changed. And like, Mm. it's so literal. And I want to see that story. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a lot of this special does focus on the mystery and the minimalism of Boba Fett. How do you think that's going to be preserved in Book of Boba Fett? Or should it not be? Should Boba Fett get real talkative? It's a challenge because I think there is some of the, the, uh, that that is the big appeals this doc discusses. But I think, Go with me here. I think now more than ever, it's time. We have a way to do this the right way. I'm not saying any other versions of the story from EO or anything weren't the right way. And look, I even like the hints of it added in Wendig's Aftermath interlude stuff with the Cobb Van stuff. There's some great stuff, just the shadow of it hanging over. I don't know how much it's going to align with that. Uh, but I, I think it might be time that this we have a way to do this with great minds behind it and the people involved from back in the day and new people coming in, there's the new and the old. I think it's, I think it's the time to just to, to whittle away a little bit of the mystique while maybe even adding to the mystique. Maybe there's something else that we can now be uh, mystified by with Boba Fett. I think that's the, the great answer to me of like, we're going to learn who Boba Fett was. We're going to learn who he's trying to be now. Yeah. (laughs) And I think some of the like impossible man of mystery, I think some of the mystery uh, will come from that in a great way of the trailers really framing this of, of who is he, he doesn't want to be a bounty hunter anymore. And there's this question of, can he change the galaxy around him? Can he become a leader and can he change the way uh, the, the criminal organizations run? So there's this real question of, can he do it? Who will Boba Fett become? And if a part of what he's really struggling with is, can I live by this code of honor mm-hmm. uh, or should I just explode in violence? And every time you deal with him, you don't know if you're going to get the, the Boba Fett's like, yeah. well, I promised uh, I'd help you find your weird kid. So, okay, I will do whatever <laughs> to help you find your weird kid. Yeah. Or is he going to be the guy of like, did you cross me? Uh, well, then I'm going to crush your head with the nearest object <laughs> immediately in rage. You know, like that idea of this, somebody preaching peace who has, is steeped in violence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of mysterious and intriguing to me. I agree with that. Absolutely. I also think he's just not going to have very long speeches. I think there's going to be, he, he says, short cryptic things. And I think some of that mystery and minimalism will still be there. Yeah, well, you know, cause this could be a lot of what's going forward with him, where even he's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried about the past. <laughs> Fennec, yeah. you want to talk about it? No, no, yeah. we're here now. Let's go forward. 
Yeah, it's like, did, did you did you ever get a chance to adventure? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, speaking of things that we don't want to talk about, is there any moments that we have not talked about that you wanted to uh, discuss or shout out? No, no, just uh, all jokes aside, you know, seeing Lucas in a 2021 uh, piece with new footage where it's not just a blurry set photo by Favreau or something like that. It, it's him going, yeah, yeah, I'll talk about it. Uh, I, I, that, that warmed me up. It really did. Uh, it, it meant a lot. And even the, yeah, I didn't give them a back. George doesn't care about backstories. All those kind of things. Just, it's fascinating to see how Star Wars was built. And I love looking at it, love analyzing it. And I said up top, yeah, or cynical. You got Kathleen Kennedy going, and it's great. We have a show coming out. Yeah, of course. This is how marketing works. And you know what? I'm even a little bit more excited than I was before. So therefore it worked on me and I'm happy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, I, it was just such a, a great uh, walkthrough of it focused on celebrating Boba Fett, but it really did try to get into the heart of uh, why did he really impact people. So it's some great Star Wars uh, uh, looking at the past for inspiration so you can move into the future is literally what this is. Mm. And for myself, just it's also it was also just a tribute to everybody who has contributed so many, not everybody, but a lot of the people who have contributed uh, to making Boba Fett what it is. And it's also just celebration of of Star Wars in a different time, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that was meaningful to me. Final thing I want to mention is I also love that it just starts with uh, uh, Ben Burt uh, blowing on a horn to try to capture <laughs> yeah. the sound of Fett's awesome ship, which we didn't even talk about that much. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. All right, here's my actual final question, Ken. What other character do you want to see a 20-minute special on their evolution and legacy? Wicked. Uh, or maybe just Ewoks overall. There's so much to that, and there's so much that we grew up around that. And, and again, are you going to spend a lot of time with the, you know, the reaction to them? Ah, maybe not, but, like, uh, that's, there's a lot you could dive into with that, including I'd love to hear George's modern thoughts on the, the Ewok movies and stuff like that. Yep, yep. I I could do a bunch of joke answers, but the honest answer is I hope they make one of these for Ahsoka when her show is about to come out. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be totally. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, also one about Dex's diner. All right, I made a joke so we can wrap up. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? Yeah, we are the Force Center Podcast, and we are found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast as well on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google. Play a podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, Spotify, and more. Just search if we're not there. Let us know. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. And you can go to uh, at Ken Napsock if you want to follow me or my website, kennapsock.com. Have upcoming comedy dates at the Comedy Loft in Washington, D.C. in the heart of December. Tickets through my website. Joseph. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all my other comedy adventures, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Boba Fett's towel cape, this has been Force Center. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 